raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Clock on a Tuesday. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us. We're with you for the next two hours, and we will now go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I told you it was going to be dominated by basketball today with the ACC tournament March underway, but also the NBA regular season is starting to uh, near their finish. And to help us talk all about it, we'll welcome Tim Bontemps of ESPN to the program. Tim, thanks so much for making the time, man. How are you? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well, Tim. Really appreciate it, like I said. And, of course, you're, uh, I guess, a little bit removed of the MVP straw poll right now. I know that's been kind of a, an interesting debate all season long, right? Because Nikola Jokic at the beginning of the season, I don't know how many people really had him in the top five, but then the numbers continue to get more ridiculous. And then your latest MVP straw poll actually showed that with an overwhelming majority having Jokic win the MVP at this point in the season. Do you feel like he he's eventually going to walk away with this award or do we still have a lot of time left for Joel Embiid, Giannis with the run the Bucks are making? How do you expect this thing to play out? I mean, I certainly would say that uh, Joel or that Nicole Jokic is the, the pretty clear favorite, but uh, to your point, I don't think it's over. And I think the best chance of somebody to knock him off is if the Bucks continue, like you said, on the stretch that they're on. If, if Milwaukee ends up, with the one seed and Giannis, is, I think generally seen as the best player in the league right now. If he continues to play at the level he's been playing at, I think it's got a chance to be a pretty competitive race. I mean, the thing that I really heard a lot in the wake of that straw poll was a surprise at how wide the spread was between first and second. I could definitely see it narrow up between now and then, but at the end of the day, if Nicole Jokic is averaging triple double, averaging triple double and Denver is winning the West. It's going to be hard to knock him off as, as uh, the MVP for a third straight season. Well, I know you're saying it's going to be a, a pretty competitive MVP race. I think the playoffs are going to be really competitive this year, too. I'm excited as hell for the postseason. I think it's going to be a lot of fun just because I'm not quite sure who is going to come out of each conference. Who do you feel the best about representing each conference in the NBA Finals right now when it is all said and done? I think Milwaukee is a pretty heavy favorite for me to win the championship and to come out of the East. I think if you look at the past couple of days, the fact that they now have a three-game lead in the loft column on Boston with 16 to go uh, probably means that they're going to be the one seed. I think we've got them up around an 80% probability of being the one seed in our projection system. And um, If Milwaukee is the one seed based off of uh, the way this is all shook out, I'll be very surprised that they're healthy if they're not in the NBA Finals. And I think whoever comes out of the West is going to demolish whoever comes out of the, or whoever comes out of the East is going to demolish whoever comes out of the West. But, you know, with Boston and Philly then having to play each other, you know, being in that 2-3 side of the East bracket is going to be so much more difficult than if you're the one seed. Plus you have home court advantage in the conference finals. So I think last couple of days with Boston losing, you know, overtime games to the Knicks and, and the Cavs, really good days for the Bucks, And then out West, to your point, I would pick Golden State right now basically by default, but I don't feel good about any of those teams. I think they're all pretty significantly flawed, and I think to your point about the playoffs, I think they're going to be truly fantastic on a lot of levels, and it's going to be wide open and competitive and fun, and 
I'm really, really excited to see what it all winds up looking like. Tim, Wes Bryant here, and you were just talking about Golden State, and that superstar is from down here in Charlotte, talking about Steph Curry. He just came back. When you look at this 7-24 and road record and some of the things that have been going on this year, do you feel like uh, something has been amiss with Golden State? Have, have the chemistry issues maybe stem from what happened in the preseason, or what's your view on them right now, and are they just waiting to get to the playoffs? I mean, they haven't really had their whole team for large stretches of the season. I think that's been part of it. I, they had a, a truly horrendous bench early in the year. That didn't help them uh, very much. You know, bench players tend to play well at home and, and not as well on the road. I think that certainly has impacted the Warriors. They've had some, some bad luck in some of those games, and they just haven't been very good. I mean, it's obviously a concern. Um, but at the end of the day, I just look around the West, and I'm going to take staff until somebody beats them four out of seven. And if the Warriors have their guys, their five-man unit of Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, and Kevon Looney's been the best five-man lineup in the league this year over a pretty significant sample size of minutes, um, by a pretty significant amount. And I'm just going to trust those guys to get it done until they don't because I don't trust Denver. I don't trust Phoenix. I don't trust Dallas. I don't trust the Clippers. Like, you go on the list. I don't. I don't believe in any of these teams. So I'll take Steph by default until somebody proves me wrong. Otherwise, you bring up an interesting point talking about Phoenix, and a lot of people felt like when Kevin Durant got there that this team was automatically a championship favorite. They won their last three games. KD hit that huge shot to beat Dallas. What is it about this team with such a formidable uh, lineup that makes you wonder about if they can get it done in the postseason? I have I have very uh, significant injury concerns about their team. Katie's missed a ton of time. Chris Paul's missed a ton of time. Uh, Devin Booker's missed a ton of time with muscle injuries. I need to see all those guys be able to stay healthy. We'll see if they can do that. Um, I don't like their depth. They've really only got three or four players I feel good about. The rest of their roster isn't very good. And I don't think they can really guard anybody when it gets down to it in the playoffs. Um, you know, if they have to play Golden State, for example, they got nobody to guard Steph. I mean, they have no prayer stopping him. Um, so, you know, and the other thing too, is uh, you saw in that game on Sunday, Dallas, um, really doubled off of KD and, and, and Booker a lot and left, you know, Josh Okoji ish, Wayne, Wright, Chris Paul, completely wide open time after time, after time, if I'm playing them in the playoffs, I'm going to let Kevin and, and Devin shoot 80 times if they want and between them and just to make them do that game after game after game. And I'm not giving up practice threes to these other guys on the roster. And I, I just don't think, uh, ultimately, when it comes down to it, their lack of defense, the injury issues, and the lack of really any creative punch outside those two guys, I, I just don't think they're going to have enough to get through four rounds of the playoffs. But Durant is obviously incredible. Booker is a great player. If they, they find a way to do it in, a, in obviously a weak Western Conference, I won't be stunned, but... I just think there's a lot more downside to that roster in the short term than I think has initially been talked about in the wake of the trade. Tim Bontemps joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, ESPN NBA writer. You can find him on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps. Let's drive the ship back here to the city of Charlotte, Tim. A lot of respected NBA pundits 
just seem to be so down on the Hornets. And of course, right? I mean, this season has gone horribly wrong. But even when it seems like some of the more respected minds about the association compare Charlotte to Houston, San Antonio, Detroit, all the bottom teams, it seems like Charlotte still is even at the bottom of those four teams as far as a favorable destination. I understand all the angles that can exist within this question, but Tim, do the Hornets have the worst current reputation in the league right now? Are they considered to be at least close to that mark? How do you feel? I mean, I think they have to be considered near that mark, right? I don't know mm-hmm. if they necessarily are the worst, but yeah, I mean, they've been, um, you know, they haven't won a playoff series since they've come back. They've hardly been in the playoffs. They've had several pretty rough seasons in a row. Um, you know, and, and obviously, LaMelo Ball is one of the most fun players to watch in the league, and they've looked better when he's been on the court this year. But he's had a ton of injury issues. He's now obviously, unfortunately, out with this ankle fracture. And, yeah, like they need to have some pretty significant talent infusion. Now, look, maybe they get Victor Wembanyama in the draft, and they have him and LaMelo, and things look different, right? Um, you know, there's been plenty of other teams that for a while, I mean, Golden State, you know, we were talking about them before. They were a pretty morbid franchise for decades, right? And then staff took off, and they got Clay Thompson to Draymond Green, and then, like, voila, they became a championship contender, and they've been incredible for a decade. You know, Milwaukee didn't make the finals for 50 years. They had a lot of fallow years. They get Giannis, they get Chris Middleton, they turn things around pretty quick, and now they've been a great team for a decade. So, um, you know, it, it, it only takes one or two breaks in the right direction to put things around. And certainly this year's draft with where Charlotte's positioned has a chance to potentially do that for the Hornets franchise. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just safe to say that they've been sort of an NBA afterthought since they came back to the league. And, you know, I, I certainly hope somebody who grew up in the nineties watching, mm-hmm. um, you know, Alonzo and Larry and, and those and Marky Bones and those great Hornets teams back then with, you know, rock and sellout crowds. It certainly would be nice to get, the Hornets back to that kind of level, but you know, they, they have not shown much of an ability to, you know, reach those kinds of heights or interest over the past couple decades. And they're probably going to need a jump start, like say Victor showing up to, to probably change that in the short term. Oh, well, all that crazy. If we draft Victor mm-hmm. women, Yama, it's yeah. going to go down. This radio show will melt. If, if we draft Victor <laughs> women, Yama, the NBA trade deadline too. Tim was interesting to me regarding the Charlotte Hornets because they didn't trade Terry Rozier. Not that there was much of a market for Gordon, but he still is on this roster right now. And instead they traded Jalen McDaniels. And I thought that was a guy they would keep. How do you feel about the way the Hornets operated at the trade deadline? I mean, the McDaniels deal was kind of interesting. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I mean, they sort of swapped around on second round picks, which was, was semi-interesting, but I was a little surprised they gave him up uh, to Philly in that deal. And, um, you know, I liked the Mason Plumley deal. I thought, you know, I think Mason's a decent player, but, uh, you know, Mark Williams, I thought needed to play. He's shown some flashes as he's gotten a chance to play down the stretch here. So I thought that was fine. Um, you know, like you said, I don't think there was much of a market for guys like Terry or, Gordon. So, you know, not using assets to get off of them in any form, I thought made sense. So, um, you know, I thought that was fine. I mean, more, more, I mean, more or less, I thought it was, um, it was sort of standard operating procedure, right? They didn't do anything crazy, made a couple small moves. Um, you could quibble on the McDaniels thing if you want, but I also don't think he's a massive difference making player either way. And they, they upgraded on second round picks. So, 
you know, I thought it was fine. And, and like you said, the, the real, the real change or the real potential for change is going to come this spring and in, in May, early May specifically at the draft lottery. Then that's when we're going to see, you know, just what the, the medium term outlook for the Hornets really looks like. That is the great Tim Bontemps joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim Bontemps and you can find his work on ESPN.com. Some great stuff there from Tim. We really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for talking with us. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. The great Tim Bontemps hanging up very quickly, too, as soon as he was done right there. We couldn't even get out from the dial tone. We'll come back. Very busy show. David Shoemate, the voice of Duke basketball. He's going to be joining us on the other side. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Each ACC team looking to go on an award tour with this ACC tournament starting today. One of those programs, of course, Duke Basketball. We'll talk all about that program right now by going to the Body Works Plus guest hotline, welcoming David Shoemate, the voice of Duke Basketball. David, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you? Doing great. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's a busy week as we get into the ACC tournament. I guess it starts here in about 45 minutes or so. Oh, yeah. We're all excited. We've got our ACC bracketologist out on full right now, so we are employing everybody we possibly can to talk more about the ACC tournament. And here we are talking about Duke where, I mean, David, I think it's fair to say for me at least, I feel like this is the best they've played all season long. Is that fair to say to you to where Duke is playing the best basketball they have all season? Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think that's probably not an accident with the fact it's the healthiest they've been all year long for, for a good little bit of stretch, you know, practice time and games and things like that. And look, that's not unique around here when, when you have freshman laden lineups like Duke has had for the last decade or so that you're always building towards the latter portion of the season. When guys have played together more, you have more chemistry and everything goes with that. But maybe a little more focus on this team just because of the preseason injury to, to Whitehead and and lively and then during the season Jeremy battling a toe injury and then Whitehead again in conference play so yeah there's been some stops and starts but you can't really argue with having one six in a row the quality of the wins doing it away from home doing it in a blowout fashion come from behind whichever way you like it it's very impressive what they've done the last month or so Dave West Bryant here and after Duke lost to Virginia their second loss in a row what what happened was with this team? Was there some type of transformation to where uh, they decided that enough was enough and then they go on this six-game winning streak? Well, it actually, you could point to one thing that actually happened before that. Uh, obviously, Duke won the, the first game of the year against Carolina and then went on the road and, and didn't have a great showing against Miami. Got beat pretty soundly in Coral Gables. And then after that, there was a team-only meeting. Um, and it was just the players. When I say team-only, I should say player-only. The coaches weren't involved, and they kind of went around the room and, and shared their thoughts. And John Shire was actually talking with us last week and saying he doesn't know what happened in the room, still doesn't know, doesn't want to know, but it seemed to center this team and set their goals, and, and they came out of it. And, yes, there was a loss of Virginia, and obviously what happened at the end of the game, the end of regulation has been picked apart, but that was probably one of the better performances away from home when you looked how Duke was playing early in ACC play. So even that was something to build off of, and I think it kind of brought into focus for this team what their goals were, what they wanted to accomplish. They recentered things. 
Obviously, they've gotten committed on the defensive end. And then you see the emergence of Lively as a rebounder and even a little bit of a score lately. And then Tyrese Proctor, I imagine we'll talk about him, has just been a revelation at the point what he can do offensively, and maybe his defense goes underrated what he's done the last few weeks, particularly what he did in Duke's final home game against NC State, you know, against one of the best backcourts in the league. David Shume, voice of Duke basketball, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. David, John Shire goes undefeated at home, sweeps Carolina in his first season, and now here he is considered to be coaching a team that is a lock to make the NCAA tournament. What did you expect in John Shire's first season as head coach and how that might have changed in your eyes as the season went on? Yeah, no, I mean, I had a, obviously I have an up-close look at it, being in practice, seeing what he's done as the associate coach before he took over as the head coach. He and I actually did a podcast together for years, so I kind of knew his basketball acumen and, and knew that, you know, a lot of the attention when him taking over would be on the recruiting because he's such an elite recruiter. But I kind of knew going in, you know, he was a pretty impressive basketball mind as well, and I think that's kind of borne itself out. And his leadership skills have certainly been tested this year through a lot of things that he can't control, particularly the injuries and what comes with, you know, having a target on your back. And I think they managed it very well. And and him in particular, you know, there were chances, obviously, when you're in the middle part of league play and people are sort of questioning what's going on and you don't have your full roster. And then to be able to turn it around, kind of build the wall, so to speak, and have this team kind of focused on themselves, the togetherness they play with, the way they talk about what they still want to accomplish, to me is very impressive. Look, this is always going to be a, a bit of a transition, going from Coach K to John Shire, you know, even, you know, when I talked with Shire about taking the job when it was first announced, and this was way back when it was announced Coach K was going to have one final year, he was pretty candid. Like, he knows the cliche. No one wants to follow the guy. Um, but but to step into Coach K's shoes and to do what you just laid out with the 23 wins and, and all the accolades so far, to me, is incredibly impressive. And I don't think there are very many people who could step in and do that. David, you talked about his coaching acumen, and one of the most impressive things he's done to me is taking a bunch of five-star freshmen uh, that we know a lot of these young kids, they're about getting buckets first and foremost, but this team is top two in the conference and one of the best in the country at scoring defense, three-point field goal defense, and field goal defense. How has he been able to get these young guys to buy into the grittier parts of the game, which is defense and rebounding? I think it's just kind of laying out what they want to accomplish, and this is what we need to do to accomplish that. And I think they they bought in, and and that's one of the things that I think maybe gets underrated about the recruiting process or the guys that get brought in here at Duke. Yes, obviously, town plays a part of it, and Duke gets five stars after five stars, but they also bring in guys that are committed to winning. And that's what this team needs to do to win. They're committed on the defensive end of the floor. I think John Shire would be the first one to credit, you know, different staffs do different things, but he has like offensive and defensive coordinators within his staff. And Jay Lucas, who he brought into a staff over the summer, is quote unquote the defensive coordinator. And and you got to give him some credit, but also the head coach some credit that it's kind of a collective process and, and how they approach it in spotting things defensively, whether it's during a scouting report or during a practice. But you're right, to get those guys to buy in, yes, the freshmen, but also the graduate transfers that came in, Jacob Granison that came in from Illinois, Ryan Young who came in from Northwestern, guys that want to have a deep run in the tournament that have achieved at the collegiate level for sure, but not at the level that is normally the case here at Duke. So they have that focus, and they kind of educated the youngsters. And you kind of knew what you saw in high school with Derek Lively, that he was going to be an elite defensive player in the stats, you know, 67 blocks, whichever way you want to slice it, have certainly borne that self out. So you knew that was going to be the flavor. But but as you said, getting guys to buy on the defensive end isn't always easy and probably 
isn't something that should be taken for granted. And then, David, last thing, Kyle Filipowski, the year that he's had, do you think that he's the next great Blue Devil? Do you expect him maybe to stick around? And after his monster game against North Carolina, 22 and 13 boards, is that performance going to springboard him into this ACC tournament where he could go on a, de- a tear? Well, I'll take the last one first. You know, 14 double-doubles is pretty impressive, and it hasn't been a straight line for him. He's talked about this. There was some adversity over the summer before everything even got started. He went on a tear to start the year, hit a bit of a wall, and now he's back playing hard again. And, and Coach Shires talked about his toughness and how that has shown through whatever the stats may be from game to game. So I, I do think it's going to be a springboard for him. He knows what this team needs from him. For the other two, I don't want to take a total pass, but I, I've given up on, on guessing You know who's going to do what. I think these guys have to make decisions, and their decisions about their family, their decisions obviously – about economics and what's going to make sense. I do think, you know, opportunities related to name, image, and likeness have changed that calculus a little bit. But that stuff, I think, is going to be figured out in the next couple of months in terms of what happens down the road and, and things like that. And, you know, obviously, these guys have to make some decisions here in the next month or two. He's a busy man. We appreciate his time on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You just heard from David Shoemate, the voice of Duke basketball. David, have a fun time at the ACC tournament. We appreciate the time. All right, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks. Duke basketball, full effect, going to be going down in the ACC tournament, playing their best basketball this late in the season. They're the hottest team coming into this tournament. There's no doubt. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Let's break down the ACC tournament in just a moment. First, I did want to tell people about how Charlotte FC, Major League Soccer, is now in season. And the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match. So stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. You can join us for the pregame and post-game parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse, coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line, only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. It is time for our first round predictions, possibly second round if we have enough time, of the ACC tournament where we are still working on punishments. Whoever finishes last among really us three, but we got a lot of people here in the studio finishing some of their ACC tourney brackets. But because there's going to be too many people involved, maybe they don't agree to eating the nasty cookout milkshake. It'll just be us. Whoever finishes third of this trio will do the cookout thing. We'll even wear a bee costume. Biddy might have to wear a Wake Forest shirt. Wes might have to wear an Aaron Rodgers jersey. We'll figure out something as a punishment for the first uh, for the uh, third place finisher in this tourney challenge. Let's go to the first round game, the one that's about to happen here at 2 o'clock. So really just 30 minutes from now, we'll see 12-seed Florida State tip against 13-seed Georgia Tech. I'll lead us off here. I think the Yellow Jackets win. I have Georgia Tech. If you look at them, they lost uh, January 7th to Florida State. 75 to 64 but really georgia tech is actually playing pretty well right now too georgia tech is six and two after losing nine straight i just think they've been playing a lot better as the season has gone on give me the yellow jackets to win game one of the acc tourney against florida state what say you west Bryant? yeah i'm gonna go with georgia tech as well i think they're playing pretty good basketball at this point uh much better than fsu when you look at it like you talked about their winning ways have picked up they have won five out of their last six and a guy that nobody's talking about uh, when you're talking about Miles Kelly. He has had some big games as of recently, a 30-pointer against Syracuse, 21 against Boston College. So I think Passner and the crew get the job done in advance. Two for Georgia Tech. Can we make it a sweep, Fitty? No, we cannot. I've got Florida State winning this game. 
I've got a quiet belief. This is Leonard. Leonard Hamilton's going to retire at the end of the year. I think he wants to go out with some sort of a bang, maybe make one last run here in Greensboro. I got the Knowles advancing to the second round of the ACC tournament. All right, right. I have some difference in the first game that we talk about there. The next game we'll discuss, Boston College, Louisville. They'll tip off at 4.30 in game two of the tournament. Wes, you lead us off here. Who you have between the Eagles and the Cardinals? Well, Boston College is pretty playing pretty solid basketball. They lost their last one to Georgia Tech. Prior to that, they had beaten Virginia Tech. They had beaten my Demon Deacons. I believe they won three in a row. And, I mean, come on, man. It's Louisville. So, if you can't get this past the... <laughs> The Cardinals, and they did indeed win three uh, in a row prior to losing to Georgia Tech. But again, like I said, it's Louisville. You can't beat Louisville. You shouldn't be here. What do you have, Fiddy? <laughs> Who do you have for us? <laughs> I've got BC as well. Remember, if you go back to our conversation with Mike Jeminski, he identified Boston College as a team that he think could make a run and had Quentin Post been healthy for the majority of the year, he thought they would have finished a lot higher in the league anyway. So give me Boston College to advance to the second round to take on my Tar Heels. Yeah, they won some big games this year. They beat Wake Forest. They beat Virginia. They beat Clemson. So a few teams that you would consider towards the top half of the ACC, especially with Wake Forest uh, even maybe falling down, losing Monsanto. But I've got Boston College, and you're right. Really, the only piece of analysis is it's Louisville, and unless you're Clemson, you're not going to lose to the Cardinals at all. All I am going to say is Corey Alexander said at 4-24, and 24, Louisville was not going to sneak up on anybody the rest of the way. So they might be primed for a deep run in Greensboro. All right, Fiddy, you lead us off with the last game of the night, tipping at 7 p.m. Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, the 11-14 matchup. Mm -hmm. Who do you have between the Hokies and the Fighting Irish? Um, so the thing about this game, two of the more disappointing teams in the league, both mm -hmm. teams made the tournament a year ago. Virginia Tech won the ACC tournament, won four games in four days. Both are experienced. Mike Bray, I, th I think that team's just checked out on him because they know he's not going to be back next year. Give me Mike Young and the Hokies to advance to the second round. Toughest matchup to choose, I think, in the first round because Boston College, pretty easy. Florida State, Georgia Tech was tough, too, but I just really like the way Georgia Tech is playing, so I had an easier time circling them on the bracket. Notre Dame, if you look at their losses, they're all by just a couple points here and there, and they did pull off the upset recently, but with Virginia Tech, they just have so much talent. I think they've kind of evened out a little bit more as the season went on, and it was against the good teams in the second half of the year that they would eventually lose to. Give me Virginia Tech. I think they move on to play NC State at 9.30 tomorrow night once we hit the second round. Both of us going with uh, Virginia Tech. Who do you think, was? I'm going to go with Notre Dame for the reasons opposite of what Fiddy said. I think they are going to play hard for Bray and want to make a good showing for him as this is his last hurrah in an ACC tournament. They're third in the ACC and three-point field goals made. So I feel like, as you said, they've been knocking on the door against some teams, and I feel like if they can get out there and get that three-ball going, I think they can advance and beat Virginia Tech and go on to play Fiddy's favorite team, the Wolfpack. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break down the top half of the bracket when it comes to the second round, and then at 2 o'clock, we can start to finish our brackets here on Wesson Walker. Syracuse, Wake Forest, they'll be the first game tomorrow happening right at noon, so we'll have the TVs on as we're broadcasting here from the Planet Kia Studios, and I guess we will be broadcasting, but Wes Bryant won't. I forget you're leaving, honestly. Yeah, I'm going to chime in, though. I will be there. Oh, actually, oh. no, you know what? I will be here 
through tomorrow's show, I will not be arriving making my appearance at the ACC tournament until the evening session. Big time, Brian can miss the second round, baby. Okay. I was going to say, I, I didn't know you were missing tomorrow. I knew eventually that you'd be yes, missing yes, some Thursday, time. Yes, Thursday, Friday. Okay, so Syracuse, Wake Forest, I'll go first on this one. I, just without Monsanto and Tyree Appleby being capable of doing the whole mm-hmm. like 5 of 14 performance, right? He really has to go to the free throw line in order to, I think, make his offensive presence felt, especially when you're down a man like that. And I like the duo that Syracuse has. I really like Judah Mintz's game. Edwards has been very good this season. I think one of the more underrated players, to be honest with you, in the ACC. And Wake always struggles with awesome big guys. So yeah. Edwards had an awesome game the last time these two teams met. I'm going with the Orange to move on. Yeah, I'm going to go with Syracuse as well. Like you said, no Monsanto. It's going to be the Tyree Appleby show. Just not enough shooting out there on the perimeter and not another playmaker that can handle the scoring load. Also, uh, Wake Forest has a tendency to start to get turnover prone uh, in some of the worst times. And you talk about Syracuse is fourth in the ACC in turnover margin. So I'm going to go with Cuse. Who are you going with, Fiddy? I know that the zone is usually a problem this time of the year, and I know Wake Forest is, yeah. is, is without Monsanto. He's a big part of what they do. Um, I've seen Syracuse up close a lot. Syracuse sucks. They're not They're, they're not a good basketball team. Jim Beheim, and this day and age, is not a good basketball coach. I think Wake Forest wins this game. They just whacked my digs, though, just the other day. I was about to say, on Saturday. so the last time they played, that's right. I mean, we did see Syracuse get that win against Wake Forest. So we'll see if the Demon Deacons can seek the immediate revenge. Final one before we move on to the next segment. Georgia Tech, at least for me, right? So Georgia Tech, I have winning against Florida State. I have Pittsburgh, though, moving on, regardless of who wins that game. Same here. I'm just not going to bet against Pittsburgh. I've done that a few times already in the regular season. They're totally legitimate, so give me Pittsburgh to move on and eventually play in the quarterfinals. I know you had Florida State winning that first matchup. Do you have them upsetting Pittsburgh in the second round? No, I don't, because I think Pittsburgh aware that if, if they lose the game, this team might be in Dayton. You know, for for Pittsburgh. So I think they're going to come out with a sense of urgency. Jeff Capel, coach of the year, all that good stuff. I think they get a win to solidify themselves as a NCAA tournament team. All right, we'll have the last two second-round matchups to talk about at 2 o'clock on Weston Walker, and then we'll go to the quarterfinals, semifinals, and eventually the championship game. Again, we want to see some of the punishments, the creative punishments that you guys can cook up in your degenerate brain. Text us 704-570-9610 on the Garage Door Guru text line to show us some of those punishments you've been thinking of. It's time now, though, for the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? We're going to turn our attention really quickly back to the NFL. Some quarterback news. Yesterday, Geno Smith reached a three-year contract extension with the Seahawks. Uh, Sources, uh, according to Rich Eisen, that the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, they're having conversations as well that could get the, the Green Bay quarterback to quarterback the Jets, just like Brett Favre did when he left the historic franchise. And then Daniel Jones, his contract uh, uh, talks going down to the wire. Of course, he wants $45 million. We look at all the quarterback news coming out from the league yesterday. Which storyline intrigues you guys the most? I think I felt the happiest when looking at Geno Smith's situation. Dude got paid a lot more than we ever thought he was going to. We thought, I'm not shocked. Well, we thought Drew, no, just before the season started is oh, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah, because we thought Drew Locke was going to possibly be the starting QB. Yeah, yeah Locke. 
and then we thought so. I Maybe that was too strong even for Drew Locke himself. But uh, there was certainly that thought that he was going to be the guy that starts for them. And eventually it's over 30-year-old Geno Smith, a once-thought-about bust who did play for the Jets, who had a really awesome year, who was throwing the ball downfield, was completing passes at a high rate, was working well with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So really it was just an, an awesome story to see where you thought maybe he wouldn't even start at all this season. And the fact that he's going to get paid about $30 million a year. You thought you think about the most money made up from expectation point at the beginning of the season. Geno Smith at the uh, at the far lead there when having that conversation. So that's that's the happiest I was. The story I thought was most intriguing. Yeah. Um, when you talk about I'm just wondering if the Giants will be stupid enough to play uh, Daniel Jones <laughs> 40 plus million dollars. I mean, this is a guy that you know, last season, the numbers just don't blow you away. 15 touchdown passes. I mean, it's absolutely insane. I think they should franchise tag him, and I think if they do give him a long-term deal, uh, that will hurt this team for years to come. All right, we will continue the guest list. Willie P joins us in studio. Does he still have blue hair, and also does he have any more professional photo shoots on the horizon? Willie P joins us in studio. Coming up next, Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. That's planetkianc.com. Nice little car sounds there from the dynamic producer, Josh Fitty Marlowe, and also a dynamic voice of Charlotte FC, Willie P, joining us in said Planet Kia Studios. Willie, I just want to know, really, Hmm. what was the best reaction that you had in the multiple days that you donned the blue hair out in public, Spectrum Center, Walmart on Yonts Road, all over the place. What's the best reaction? You I, had? I, I loved the comparisons to Sonic. Uh, those are my favorite. Well, especially with the hairstyle. Yeah, those 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 were great. Um, the, the the best part about dyeing the blue hair it was washing the blue hair out. Honestly, because <laughs> my hair felt very because the dye it, it kind of cakes up in your hair and mm. I and you know, like you can't wash your hair when it's that temporary dye. Otherwise, you know, it goes away. So f- from that standpoint, I was very thankful after the remote Thursday night that uh, I could. Actually, go back to styling my hair, washing my hair, and being somewhat normal. What was the time between you washing your blue hair and you also undergoing the professional photo shoot? Oh, the photo was uh, photo, the photo was a couple months old. Oh, okay. So you just decided to release that? It was oh, yeah, like an no. album release. No, that's not. I got, I got, I got plenty from that photo shoot. I, got, I took that uh, before the before the wedding. That was uh, that was uh, latter part of uh, just December or January. I was at the height of the PhD weight loss. Me and Wes thought it was fire. I like that. I like that photo. Holding a soccer ball like you're palming a basketball. You're giving me that smirk. It's a little seductive, also a little dangerous, too. So there was one part of the photo shoot where she asked me to to head a ball. (laughs) And I can't even tell you how many takes we took. We we could not get it to work. It was was bad. Mm -hmm. Sniff out balls. 
Oh, okay. We got that one. Um, all right. That's Josh Fitty Marlowe coming in with the sound bite on Willie P. He joins us at the Planet Kia studio right now. Uh, let's talk about this game that happened this past weekend and really just overall the new role for Brant Bronico. I know we were talking a little bit before we hopped on the air, and you said he has a new role that you were interested in discussing. Yeah, it was interesting because we, we got a little bit of word before the game that Brant Bronico was going to play left back for Charlotte FC. And, and I think that all kind of took us a little bit aback because I didn't think Joseph Mora played bad in the first game for Charlotte FC. In fact, I think, you know, Jess actually named him man of the match. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, they just weren't getting what they wanted out of Joseph uh, from a going forward standpoint. And one thing Brant Bronico knows how to do is to get forward. I just I wondered if the defensive responsibilities were uh, going to mesh with his ability there. But uh, but he did a job, and I think it's something to be uh, watching for. What did they do with that left-back position? The, the back four as a whole has been something for Charlotte FC that has been a, a bit of an alarm bell after what happened in the off season, or at the end of last season with Guzman Carujo, the unfortunate uh, loss of Anton Walks, his... Uh, his passing away during the preseason. It has left Charlotte FC with a lot of questions when it comes to their back line. And unfortunately, uh, they reared their ugly heads on Saturday with two goals given up by uh, a header by du- Bill Tuiloma and then Adilson Melanda's untimely giveaway uh, that gave St. Louis the insurance marker in the end. Yeah, Willie P. People pointed to mistakes made in this match by Charlotte FC that cost them this game. What do you feel like their progress is at this point and were the mistakes in that last match? Is it due to like lack of chemistry, just like early season uh, woes, so to speak? Or what do you attribute that to? You know, you know, Wes, it's it's difficult because they have such great phases of play and it's not necessarily that they are in that phase of play and all of a sudden there's a momentary lapse, but I think it's something just as simple as that. They're all isolated incidents. It's it's not as if they were suffering at any point in the game. I think the only point that you could basically say that was right after they scored the goal with Enzo Capetti in the 25th minute, St. Louis seemed to kind of rally at that point for a good uh, 10 to 15 minutes of the game that led up to the own goal from Tui Loma. But uh, that was just a simple communication issue between Tui Loma and Zisniega. I think Zisniega also uh, might have had a situation where he was caught in between in, in kind of a no man's land. If he's a little bit further back, maybe he's able to jump up and actually save that uh, header by Tui Loma coming back his way. He was a little too close to where the ball was played off of. So in that instance, I don't know if it's anything that they're doing wrong. It's just it comes down to knowing your communication. I think chemistry you brought up is a very, very valid thing you can look at and say it's it's still something they're working on because this isn't a group that, for the most part, we saw playing together during the preseason. I know that Christian Latanzio, and again, I'll preface in saying we didn't see all the preseason games, but uh, Bill Tulum wasn't here in the preseason. Uh, Ashley Westwood took a while to get here in the preseason because of a visa. Same thing to go with Capetti. So, and Brant Bronico wasn't playing left back in the preseason either. So I think it's they're still trying to find the right 11. And uh, as a result, uh, that sometimes might lead to issues that uh, we saw happen not only in St. Louis, but uh, the unfortunate uh, gaffe from Carol Svidersky that caused the lone goal against New England. If memory serves me correct, on the last appearance you made on the show, you said you thought Charlotte could finish in the top Seven or eight? Well, you held his feet to the fire and made him make a You're prediction. You're damn right. That's what we do. We yeah. don't ride the fence on Weston Walker. The, the, yeah, well, and you wouldn't let him, and I think it was That's a postseason right. prediction. I'll never let wanted. anybody. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, 
you know, has your opinion of the potential of this team changed after you've seen them on the field for a couple of matches? I, I don't think so. It's a 34 round season, guys. It's it's obviously from the from the point that we sit right now, they're the only one of two teams who haven't gotten points in the Eastern Conference, which is not a good sign from them for the first two weeks, but they're also one point out of a playoff spot as it currently constitutes. So again, again, it's very, very early to be looking <laughs> yeah. at those type of things. The fact that nine teams get in the postseason now also helps them out a little bit. I think there's there's still plenty to get into uh, when it comes down to this next stretch. This next stretch of five games is all teams that are kind of right around where they were projected. Atlanta was a team that, you know, people were very much had a wide variance on where, you know, some people thought they were in for a resurgence and other people didn't think they did enough in the off season. They have Orlando coming up a team they've struggled with, but you don't know what exactly they added Red Bulls uh, who barely got themselves in the playoffs last year is another one. So it, it's, it's, a lot of teams right now kind of around them. There's a lot of parity in this league. Any team can beat anybody in any given day. Willie, what's the biggest move Christian Latanzio can make to get things back on track for Charlotte FC? I think it's got to, you got to get the right pairing up front, right? When it comes to the wingers and also from the attacking midfielder scenario, I think we all know Enzo Capetti is going to start at striker. That, that, Position is going to go unchanged, at least from for now, until uh, maybe Vinicius Mello. If uh, we, we saw him out there at training today, I don't know if he's somebody who can threaten the starting lineup yet. Uh, I think you want to see him possibly get a couple of weeks of training back in there. But I think it's all about trying to get the right two wingers out there at the same time. We saw Svidersky there at the winger. And, and while he did have the one service in on the goal for Capetti, it's been a largely, uh, I don't want to say unimpressive start for Carroll, but I think there are times where he, in the attack, he doesn't necessarily, you don't feel him. You don't feel his presence. One of the things I, I said in the broadcast about Enzo Capetti is that, you know, he's somebody who can draw the ire of an opposition, whether it's going down to the box or being active in the press or scoring a goal like he did against St. Louis. Uh, you want Carol Svidersky to kind of be that threat too, and he hasn't been, and that's something that's difficult. I think Camille Yuzviak actually bounced back very nicely after a disappointing first contest. He was somebody who I think you could say was man of the match for Charlotte FC in the second match because he was very active on both sides. I think the central attacking midfielder spot is still very much in question. They used Shinyashiki there uh, in game two. They used Svidersky there in game one. I personally would like to see Nuno Santos possibly get some run there because I think he came on in game two uh, on Saturday against St. Louis and really showed you something. I think he's got creativity. I think we've seen it in, in spades, not just in the latter part of the regular season when he got limited action, but also during the preseason, he scored a goal against, uh, against uh, Birmingham. So f I do feel like getting those things correctly because there are still a lot of positions that I think are very much up for grabs. It's making those right decisions. I don't think the formation is going to change any. I think it's going to still be a basically a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, depending on how your, your persuasion is with that. But I do feel like it is something that they're still monitoring in terms of which what is the best 11 out there for him. Jack wrote into the Garage Door Guru text line, we have not won a game since Willie washed out the die. That is certainly one way to look at it from Jack writing that in. And so maybe you need to go blue hair again. And they, lastly, they, they didn't win one while I had blue hair. Either. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really care about that. I, I like Jack's text better. And the bagel guy wrote in, when you talk to Willie P, make sure you mention to him that Mac wants to sage him to help Charlotte FC this weekend. Now we have used you as, I don't want to say a puppet, but we have Punching absolutely yes. work, yeah. well, okay, okay, fair enough. Yes, I can't really refute that. Mm. Would you be willing to be saged by one Mac and Bone in order to get past the bad spirits surrounding this team? Right. I mean, now? I, 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 I will take to being saged. I have no, I have no problem with that. It's just a matter of seriously. I'm necessarily the problem. I, I, I was on the call for 13 wins last year. That wasn't, that wasn't by accident. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, so maybe maybe it's not you then. We need to go with like a, a Christian Latanzio. Do you think Latanzio or Bronico or anybody like that would let you sage them to try to get rid of the I'm, evil I'm, spirits? I'm, I'm up for anything that doesn't mutilate or deform my body uh, <laughs> to, to get this thing turned around. I don't think anybody wants to do that. So we're good. I mean, I, that's I, a low I, bar. I, 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 I count dying of hair, though, as, as, as part of that. All that's, right. that's, a, that's, a, that's a form of mutilation. <laughs> that's, that's such a low bar. If that's the bar, you do not have to worry about that. That's Willie P, the dynamic voice of Charlotte FC, joining us in the Planet Kia studios. You can hear him on the call for any Charlotte FC match right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate the time as always, man. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Good luck on the call this weekend and beyond. When we come back, we'll continue to fill out our ACC bracket, and we'll see exactly what kind of punishment the third-place finisher amongst this trio, what kind of punishment they'll have to experience if they indeed lose. That's still to come. Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. So this is awkward. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.